Welcome to History 21, the podcast, a production of the Anoka County Historical Society, sharing the stories and audio journeys from our county's past and present. Hey everyone, it's Rebecca. Minnesotans are known for their generosity, so it's no surprise that we dedicate 24 hours to giving to nonprofits and schools statewide. In the past 10 years, hundreds of thousands of generous people have given $250 million to their favorite Minnesota organizations on Give to the Max Day. When you make a gift to Give to the Max Day, you can help your favorite cause, us, win a share of the $100,000 prize pool. You can schedule your donation right now or go on Thursday, November 18th to givemn.org. Thanks so much for your support. Hello, Rebecca. Why, hello, Sarah. Fancy seeing you here. It's almost like we have a regular schedule for these things. Organization what? <laughs> we did something super fun back in August. The county fair. No, the county fair is in July. The threshing show. That is in August, but it and it was fun, but it's not what I was thinking about. And you got to narrow this down, babe. <laughs> August 17th. <gasps> I remember it like it was yesterday. But do you remember who came and visited? I do. I do. Say, there was a, say an the entire name. group of... No, don't test me on that. That's mean. <laughs> we were calling it the really cool old car club, but that's not their name. <laughs> but it works. And we wrote it down so we wouldn't mess it up. Didn't we, Sarah? Uh-huh. The Willis Overland Knight Registry, Upper Mississippi Valley Chapter, came and visited us. It is specific old cars, uh, very like 19-teens, 20s cars. And they came to Experience Anoka. They were having a, a mini convention. And one of the things they did in Anoka was visit the Historical Society. Their organizer, Sharon, wanted to do was have a whole afternoon all about the VRAC. And what is the VRAC, you may ask? Well, it stands for a thing, which we're not going to tell you because that would ruin the rest of the podcast. But we can't tease it. It was we a could. car that was built and manufactured right here in the city of Anoka. We had two of our board members, uh, Rich Oxley and Steve Florman, played host and helped out with the program. And Sharon Hastings told some really great stories about growing up as a child of the Virac. And we magically recorded it all and are presenting it here for you today. Dun, dun, dun. Good afternoon. My name is Steve Florman, and I am currently the vice president of the board of directors of the Noka County Historical Society. On behalf of the board and on behalf of the society, I want to welcome you to the Anoka County History Center to the city of Anoka, to Anoka County, to our beautiful community, and thank you for being with us today. We are very, very happy to have you. Just thrilled that you could spend some time with us, and we're very excited, since we have before us a room full of old car enthusiasts, to share with you today the story of the old car that was manufactured right here in Anoka for a brief period of time prior to World War I. So again, on behalf of the society, uh, thank you for being here. We really appreciate you here today, and uh, we're happy to share this story with you. Sharon. I am so thrilled. I've been looking forward to doing this, um, putting this pre presentation together for all of you. Um, so like uh, Steve said, 
The car that was made here, right here in Anoka, was called the Virac. And its basic design was, it was more like a motorized wagon or a buckboard. Um, but it was, uh, and it could be configured in different ways, um, often used as a delivery truck. Um, there were three different body styles that were um, offered, and I don't have all of them pictured, but um, there was what was called an open express, a steak, and an express. The prices ranged from $825 to $1,000. The company uh, began, was incorporated in 1909. It was uh, kind of attracted to this area by the uh, Anoka Commercial Club, and there were some people that invested in it, and uh, so they manufactured these trucks uh, from their plant right north of Anoka on Ferry Street, and, and the building is still there. It's now part of uh, Schwartzman's Metal, or which is now Alter Metal. Uh, if anybody wants to wander up that way, you might even find it. The enterprise was short-lived. They probably, the total number that were built is unclear, but by 1914, there were 103 Virac trucks registered in Minnesota. So we're not sure exactly how many. But like I said, they built this Virac entirely in their plant, including the engines. But it, it was short-lived. They uh, didn't put a lot of effort into improving their, their product and... They couldn't really compete with Henry Ford's newly invented assembly line, which was in 20, uh, 1913. And then they had manufactured Ford tractors, the engines for Ford tractors for a while, which were not related to Ford Motor Company. They were a different tractor company, and there was some bad press surrounding because they basically stole the name. And so I think they were impacted by that as well. So eventually, though, they made uh, the little railroad speeders or inspection cars that uh, you've seen probably around on the railroads. So why is it called a Virac? Well, it got its name from the unique way that its engine operated. So Virac stands for valveless explosion every revolution air cooled. And it was... <laughs> I know, <laughs> what a mouthful. Um, it was basically um, a two-cylinder, two-cycle engine that uh, was, had big fans that cooled it. There was no um, coolant circulating through it. It was just the fans that cooled it, and it was chain-driven. So that, the, the engine itself was developed by a man named Frank Merrill of Plainfield, New Jersey, he had early on created a car with this concept, but it didn't go anywhere. And it wasn't until he um, uh, came to Anoka and was approached by people here that um, they could start a, a company. So that's how the Virac uh, came to be. Uh, there's some unique features of the Virac. A 20 horsepower motor, uh, like I said, is air-cooled. And you can look, if you look closely there at the... From the top view, there are uh, big giant fans that would blow. And the body could be configured in a variety of ways. Um, so it was uh, a, unique, a unique vehicle. And a lot of people were very excited about it. Um, it did have its problems, but... <laughs> so here's uh, 
uh, a testimony. I found this in the VRAC file here at the, the History Center. And it said, this truck was a miraculous invention. After picking potatoes and bunching and washing vegetables, apples and berries late into the evening, before we got this truck, we would leave home at 11.30 at night and arrive in Minneapolis around 5 a.m. to be on hand when the market opened at 6. When the VIRAC arrived on the scene, it was the most welcome piece of machinery, in spite of all its shortcomings, that I can remember. Now we could sleep till 3.30 a.m. and still arrive at the market on time. <laughs> so um, it was primarily used as a delivery truck, um, like I said, and it was used to haul furniture, laundry. It was operated here in Anoka um, by the, um, the L, what is it, J.L. Green, livery service. They were s sold at various places. I know the state of Minnesota purchased a number of these. Um, this is uh, as it is used as a mail truck down at the uh, St. Peter State Hospital in St. Peter, Minnesota. Even as far as Skagway, Alaska, it was used as a streetcar way up there. And uh, so if any of you have been to Skagway, that's a pretty far ways to go. So what is my personal connection to the VRAC? Well, these are my great-grandparents, William and Laura Amy Dickinson, and their children. Um, and they owned a VRAC. I will point out the girl that's standing on the uh, far right there is my grandma, Grandma Grace. And many of you know that our car is named Gracie after her. The baby on my great-grandfather's lap is uh, my great uncle Roger, Roger Dickinson. He was born in 1903, and he recalls driving the VRAC starting at age 12 uh, until he was into his 20s. So our best guess is that the VRAC was driven from around 1915 to 1925, and he would drive it to the vegetable market five times a week. So here's a picture of the actual VRAC that my great-grandparents owned, and this was taken at their uh, home place down in Osseo, Minnesota, which is just a town not too far from Minoka, just south of us here. The uh, original owner was probably, um, based on the, the license records from the state of Minnesota, was a Reverend W.F. Trussell. He bought, the, the serial number is 588, and it was probably built in late 1912 or 1913. We're not entirely sure. Um, and like I said, the Dickinsons drove it for a while. My uncle, great uncle Roger, uh, has written a little article about his experience with the VRAC, and I thought I would just read a little excerpt from that. He says, this magnificent two-cylinder motor was air-cooled. Its greatest problem was the spark plugs getting oily. This problem stemmed from adding one quart of oil to every five gallons of gas, as you had to stir this well by stirring with a wooden paddle to prevent it from fouling the plugs. Anyway, so apparently it was a little bit of a, um, a chore to, to run this thing. He also talks about uh, the chains would break and, and uh, stuff. But he would drive this. It says, all week long, the VREC was used in the gardening business. And on Sundays, 
The Sunday seat was dusted off and installed in place behind the driver's seat. So you can see there's a second seat, that's, been, that's the Sunday seat. And uh, this piece of equipment didn't come with the original purchase and cost $10 extra. <laughs> yeah. The family then climbed in, taking great care not to soil the swishy skirts and white frilly blouses with the oily surfaces. So <laughs> I can imagine my, uh, my grandma driving to church in the Virac. <laughs> my grandma Grace and uh, my grandpa Ignac. She was uh, a teacher, school teacher as a single woman, and her last school was in Andover, right next door to my grandpa's farm. And uh, so that's how they met, and they were married in 1931. Well, my great-grandfather, William Dickinson, passed away in 1936. And so we think sometime in the 1940s, my grandparents acquired the place in Osseo. Um, there had been a metal, um, lots of parts went for scrap, probably during the war. So there were only pieces of the Virek that were left. But my grandfather, I think recognizing the historical value of the Virac, knowing it was manufactured in Anoka, he brought the pieces to his farm in Andover. So the Virac quietly sat hidden away in the attic of the old garage until 2012, I believe, we, or 2011. My dad passed away, and we started cleaning out all of the buildings on the farm, and there was a lot of stuff. Not only my grandfather's stuff, my dad's stuff, and just sifting through all that um, in preparation for an auction. Well, we went up to the attic of the old garage, and there we found the pieces of the Virac. I had always heard about the Virac as a child. You know, the Virac was made in Anoka, you know, and we didn't really know where it was, or but if there, there it was up in the attic in uh, amongst a bunch of debris. But we've, um, we kind of stored the pieces until we could figure out what we might do with them. So in the process um, of this, we discovered there were others who had uh, an interest in the Virac. We found out about Steve Florman's connection to the Virac. Um, we knew Steve from early days with 4-H, because our kids were involved with 4-H. Uh, but we ran into him again at one of the Saturday night car shows here in Anoka. And uh, somehow the topic of the Virac came up, and I don't remember, but you were telling us about how um, there is another Virac. And, but I'm going to let Steve tell that story. Thanks, Sharon. Um, <laughs> this, this was totally out of the blue for me. Uh, I should mention that while I really enjoy old vehicles. I have nowhere near the level of interest or passion that, that you folks have. I've never restored one. Uh, my connection to old cars is that um, as a result of my family's lack of prosperity, I frequently drive them. Um, so when I go to an old car show, I'm looking for something like the 1970 Ford Galaxy 500 that I drove in high school in the early 80s. So I, um, my dad's family pioneered Montana. Uh, in just a few years after the Custer battle, um, my great-great-grandparents in their covered wagon um, came from Missouri, crossed the plains, and ended up in the Shields River Valley in Montana. Think south-central Montana. And so my dad's family has been there, you know, since 1879, 1880. 
20 years ago in 2002, we went to a family reunion out there, and as we're coming back, we stopped in a little town called Big Timber. Big Timber is the county seat of Sweetgrass County, population about 1,600, 1,700. Um, between its founding in World War II, Big Timber, which is where a lot of my dad's family settled in that area, it was one of the biggest sheep shearing and wool shipping hubs in the United States. Say that 10 times fast. Uh, <laughs> The town was built in the 1870s, 1880s on the Northern Pacific Railroad. And so, like a lot of southern Montana towns on the rail lines, it is three miles long and half a mile wide. It's built along the tracks. Like many frontier towns, it was originally built of wood, and that's kind of where the VRAC legend starts, not necessarily the truth. Now, the records haven't been found. They probably don't exist. But the VRAC was probably originally purchased either by the city of Big Timber or by Sweetgrass County as some kind of county road truck or maintenance vehicle. That's my best guess at this point. So, um, you know, my family's all through this whole area and, uh, and we're sitting down and my cousin Barb, you know, they, she, we basically stopped in to see them on our way home and uh, we're sitting down there and her husband um, was kind of like one of those uh, leading citizens of the city. You know, the type of guy I mean, right? And he's kind of one of those guys, he's always run his own business, and he's, you know, at this time he was, uh, he was probably in his 70s, and they were fairly recently retired. And so he's like, oh, you come from Anoka, Minnesota, he says. It's just exactly how he talked. <laughs> you ever heard of the VRAC? I hadn't. I'm not having Sharon's family connections. I had no idea what he was talking about. So he says, well, it was this car we you know, built in Minnesota. We got one over in the fire department. We bought us a fire truck, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. So he tells me this story. Apparently in 1908, there was a fire in Big Timber, just like our 1883 fire. It burned about a third of downtown Big Timber, which was all built of wood at the time. And so the legend is that in 1908, the city of Big Timber decided they wanted to buy a fire truck, and they bought a V-Rack. Now, we know that in 1908, the V-Rack Motor Company was not even in existence. So they've restored this V-Rack. It runs... It says 1908 VRAC, which is a complete anachronism. Company didn't exist in 1908. They did not purchase this truck as a fire truck. But in 1962, 63, 64, when the derelict VRAC was sitting out in back of City Hall in Big Timber, Montana, turning to dust as things only can turn to dust in Montana, and thank heavens it wasn't Minnesota or it would never have been restorable. That was what they thought, was that this had been their fire truck 1908, 09, you know, 1910. And so these older guys, and Art was, so he's in his 30s or 40s. He's running a standard station in town. They decide they're going to take this old derelict and restore it to working condition. So they pull the thing, you know, rope the thing, drag it in out of the field, and get rid of the rotten wood, the lumber. You saw the pictures. This thing is basically a buckboard with an engine in it. They clean up the metal, they dismantle the engine, they figure out how it works, they put all the pieces back together, they put in new wood, they paint it all up, and what we end up with is the Big Timber V-Rack. Uh, labeled Big Timber Volunteer Fire Department number one, 1908. Eh, thank you for playing. Uh, but that's what they thought in the early 60s when they restored it. And so they got it in working condition. Um, the Big Timber Pioneer, uh, their newspaper, has a couple pictures from when they finished the restoration in 1964. There's a much younger, much sprier Art, Cousin Art, behind the wheel of the thing. 
Um, it, it ran in parades, it still runs in parades. Uh, and he told me some interesting things about the VRAC because Art is one of those rural Montana storyteller types of guys who will go on forever and you will just listen to him until the cows come home because he's that kind of storyteller. And so he's telling me all about this. He was particularly proud and I walked through the parking lot and I saw that a number of your vehicles have wooden steering wheels. The V-Rack has a one-piece wooden steering wheel. It's one piece, I'm guessing it's maple, that was bent into a circle, finger-jointed, and joined on the end. And when they dragged the thing out of the field, that finger joint was swollen, split, the steering wheel was kind of like... And the thing that Art was the most proud of was the way that he had soaked, cleaned, re-bent, re-glued, clamped, dried, and finished this steering wheel. And it's beautiful. It's a one-piece, perfectly circular uniform steering wheel attached to the vehicle today. And, and so Art says to me, well, you want to see it? <laughs> yeah, twist my arm, right? Well, let me make a couple phone calls. So he makes a couple phone calls to the guys in the volunteer fire department. Remember, Art's kind of a big man around town, right? He's the head of local VFW. He's a local mason. He's been running a business in town for years. He makes two phone calls, and in 10 minutes, he's got the keys to the fire department. So we walk down to the fire department because this is big timber. We go into the fire department, he opens it up, and that's what we see. So these pictures um, that you're gonna see are pictures that I took in 2002 when we were there. Uh, one of the things he told me about it is that when you start it up, and you can see on the, I don't dare point to, but you can see a crank on the front there, right? When you start it up and you get it cranked, it's got a forward gear and a reverse gear and you don't know which way the car is gonna go until you actually accelerate. So it doesn't matter which way the lever is, right? All the lever does is change the direction. So if you start it up and you put the pedal down and it starts to move backwards, then you move the lever into whichever position it's not, and then it goes forwards. So you just can't tell until you, you know, and it's, it kinda has to do with the way you know, the pistons move around the cylinder. If they go this way at first, it goes forward. If they go this way at first, it goes backwards. So uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. You never know which way it's going to go when you start it. So <laughs> there you go. This is probably an older model. Um, the first one rolled off the line in November of 1910. By 1915, they were out of business. So that gives you an idea. I think Sharon's Families is probably one of the later models, judging both by the serial number and by its design. Um, we're, we're just guessing that based on the, the pictures we have. We sold, what was it, 100 some odd of them were registered in Minnesota. If you look at newspaper accounts of the time and just search on VRAC, you'll find hits on purchased VRACs all over the Midwest. There were a couple in Nebraska, a couple in North Dakota, a couple in Iowa, a couple in Illinois. I mean, just ones and twos around the Midwest, these trucks were sold out here. In Anoka County, there was one story that the thing was so, uh, did so well on sand that it was a great truck for rural Anoka County, which is mostly sand. When I was a kid, you know, it was hard bicycling out here because you were basically trying to bike in sugar sand. Locals will remember how terrible that was. So apparently it was good for that if for nothing else. Purrs like a kitten. So it's, um, it's kind of interesting because I had no idea this thing existed, much less that it was running. So I came back with all these photos and I walk into the Historical Society. This is long before my involvement with the board. And I said, 
tell me about the V-Rack. And they said, well, we have part of an engine block. They used to build them here in Minnesota. I said, would it interest you to know that there's a fully functional restored V-Rack in Big Timber, Minnesota? And you would have thought I had just said, would it interest you to know where they're hiding the Lindbergh baby or something like that, right? I mean, they looked at me like, so I dropped off all the pictures and wrote out the whole story and so on. And then a few years later, this guy comes to the board and he's all excited about the V-Rack and blueprints and these things. And he wants to bring the Montana V-Rack to Minnesota to the now then threshing show. And I'm like, oh yeah, my cousin helped restore that in the 60s. And he looked at me like, what? You guys know about this? Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'm all nonchalant about it. He's like, I thought you were pulling my leg. No, I'm serious. You know, we, so anyway, that's it. There's one running. 2019, it made an appearance at the threshing show. Yep. There we are. So, so I just want to acknowledge the people who have helped make this presentation possible. First, Jim Roots, who was unable to be here, um, but I, I thank Jim for his boundless enthusiasm and connecting me to be uh, with to others who are passionate about the VRAC. Um, and then, of course, Rich, thank you so much for your desire to preserve Anoka history and giving us a glimpse of where we might take this in the future. Thank you, Steve, for your personal connection to this story with the Big Timber VRAC. And thank you, Sarah. She's back there. Thank you, Sarah, for pulling out files and items from the archives and for facilitating this presentation. Um, and thank you to Don for his countless hours that he has devoted to digitizing all of those VRAC blueprints and memorabilia. It's his station right here, and he, he works magic with his camera. And finally, I want to say thank you to my Aunt Laura, who's here today, for being a resource regarding the Dickinson family's involvement with the VRAC. So it was her grandfather who owned the VRAC, and her mother is Grace. So those of you who are familiar with my, our car, Gracie, and thank you so much for coming. This was something I've been looking forward to for weeks, so I'm so glad to share it with you. Read all about it in the Anoka County Library Minute. Hello, I'm Lydia Potoff, a librarian at the Anoka County Library, and this is your Library Minute. First up, we have Lost and Found, Great Barn Finds and Other Automotive Discoveries by Brian Ernest. This collection, called from the pages of Old Cars Weekly magazine, spotlights incredible true stories of fascinating car finds. Stories told by car enthusiasts who found, and in many cases, restored old cars. Just Next, we have the Encyclopedia of Classic Cars from 1890 to the present day by Craig Cheatham. More than 1,000 entries and 650 photographs are compiled in this comprehensive guide to 12 decades of automobiles from around the world. Next, we have Rusting Relics of Minnesota, Evading the Crusher. By Julie Bronson. Bronson explores junkyards and natural areas around Minnesota, searching for forgotten automobiles. This short book is full of photographs that portray the beauty of aging autos. We have a DVD on the list, Frontier House by Nicholas Rather Brown. Produced by PBS, this hands-on history series transplants three modern families from the 21st century back to 1883, 
watch as the families load their wagons, head west, and try to homestead in the Montana wilderness. Finally, this book list links to two short YouTube videos by Chris Novotny. The Big Timber Montana Volunteer Fire Department has a working VRAC, and these videos show it in its operational glory. Happy reading. Happy watching. Get those library cards and reserve your copy today. Direct links to these books and more can be found in the episode show notes at anocacountyhistory.org. You know, I got to be honest with you, Sarah. Hmm. I'm really not a car enthusiast, which means mm-hmm. that I'm really not a Viraki sort of enthusiast, which means that there's parts of the collection that I might not be as enthusiastic about as others, potentially. <gasps> but after listening, don't tell anybody, but after listening to this program, I really have a better feel for what the Virac meant to families as an actual machine. So it becomes less about the mechanics and more about the story. And now I'm interested. And now I love it again. It's not just a piece of machinery. It was a piece of machinery that people were using and it became part of their family and part of how they were running their farms. And putting out fires? Potentially. Roll with the fairy tale. (laughs) We have really cool things that you can see and learn more about the VRAC if that's something that you're interested Uh, We've put in a gallery of items that we have in the collection. So the blueprints, you know, uh, there's some advertising material, a picture of the actual motor that we have. We've got some patents that are out there in the public domain that we can link to. And, you know, a general write-up about the the company as a whole. And there's going to be a link to watch the full program as it was recorded. So you'll be able to see visuals of who is speaking We definitely had to edit this one down um, because it was longer than the podcast can really have. Uh, And I had to edit out places where they were like, look at this picture. As you can see in this corner, that wouldn't have worked very well for a podcast. So you can see all the visuals and, and whatnot by watching the video. I love the power of technology. Which is why we are here today. (laughs) true enough filling your ears with all of our garble and is why we will be back in two weeks bye all tally ho as they said if you have a question want to visit our show notes page for each episode or would like to share your own story go to anocacountyhistory.org help history 21 the podcast reach more ears by subscribing and reviewing on your podcast provider we're all over social media twitter facebook and instagram for all those who scroll by And for our Vault members, you can find special access to podcast extras as well as the latest digital resources at History 21 The Vault, located on our website. Remember, the present is the past of the future.